0: Today, once again, I've got the honor of sharing the Word of God, and it's always a pleasure, always an honor to be sharing the Word. And I'm going to be continuing my message from the Gospel of John. And coincidentally, John, you're feeling that you're going to preach from 1 John, 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 but the same apostle preached, uh, uh, was the one that wrote the Gospel and the both the, uh, the three the epistles of 1 John. Um, so I'm really interested to see what God's going to do through that. Um, the Holy Spirit always works. It's amazing. I mean, I... I never preached from Ezekiel. Today, I'm going to do a little bit from Ezekiel. And Raquel last week talks about Ezekiel a few chapters prior to what I'm talking about. So I'm just in awe every time of what the Holy Spirit does uh, in us and through us and with the messages that come on the pulpit. So it's good. Um, So I'm working through the Gospel of John verse by verse. How good is that? Verse by verse. And if you've never read the Gospel of John, I pray that at the end of this, you're going to know it. And you're going to understand it really well. And uh, what, what it's what it's doing it's uh, revealing Jesus, and that's the title of my series that I've been doing that I started back in October, I think it is. And um, the Gospel of John just reveals Jesus over and over again, revealing His truth, revealing His light, revealing His life through the Scriptures. Now, for those of you that are visiting here today, um, and those that have been have been with us, the, just a reminder that the Gospel of John. What it is, it's it's, all of it is for the purpose of revealing that Jesus is God Himself. That Jesus is the Messiah, which is the Chosen One or the Anointed One, however you translate it. But Jesus is God Himself in human flesh. And by genuine believing in that, by believing that Jesus is God Himself, that true light, the true light of the world, we will be drawn to Him and our lives will be transformed from the inside and experience that true life that God as designed from us or for us. So to recap of where I've been from, I'm not going to go all the way to chapter one. Um, if you like, you can read or you can listen to the messages. But uh, the last time I was up, I, I finished off section two or chapter two, the last part of chapter two. And, and that's the story where Jesus is cleaning the temple. And what Jesus is doing ultimately, he's fulfilling the Old Testament prophecy of where the, the Messiah is going to come from. That was Uh, prophesied from Isaiah that the Messiah will come to clean the temple, not just physically, but spiritually. The Messiah would come to clean the temple of the Israelites, to clean out the religion and to clean out the false religion and the false faith that they were confessing and all those meaningless meaningless rituals that were going on. So Jesus supernaturally clears out the temple with a divine fashion. just He clears it out. I don't know if you remember, he whipped up these cords, obviously a lot of cords on the ground from a lot of the sacrificial animals. And he whips them all up, a couple of them up, and then he starts driving everyone out. But it's supernaturally because he doesn't get any resistance. Nobody, none of the Jews, none of the followers that were there, none of the temple guards, which generally about 300 of them that were there, none of the Jewish priests, not even the Roman guards came in. Jesus did it in a way where it was peaceful and people, uh, and, and it was just, you know, if anyone did come in at any point or, you know, I can imagine myself coming into a crowd of a few thousand and grabbing a whip and going crazy, they will security, come over here. But nothing happened. It was a supernatural miracle, that alone of Jesus clearing out the temple. And it's a reflection of that supernatural miracle that happens in us. God cleaning out our temple, cleaning out our lives and our world. And cleansing us, and uh, cleaning out our minds and the hearts and the humanness that we have. Um, and it's an amazing end. Uh, at, I, I focused a little bit about it the last time, at the end of chapter two, the last few verses, where 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 Jesus, where people were coming to see Jesus doing miracles, signs, wonders, miracles, all these things, and everything's going on, and uh, and they did not necessarily put their faith in Jesus, but they said that they believed in him. And Jesus, at the end, he says that that he knew their hearts, but he wouldn't entrust themselves with us, which is sometimes a reflection of Christianity where we say we believe, but truly do we have faith in our hearts? And do we truly believe in our heart when the rubber hits the road? So all of that sets up for the next story that we get into chapter 3, John chapter 3. And this is the story of Nicodemus. Uh, Nicodemus, for those of you that don't know, he was a ruler. And uh, he was considered a a Jewish ruler at the time. And he was one of the most highly respected Pharisees at the time. He was the top of the top, on the apex of his career, let's call it, whatever it was. He was a master of all Jewish teachers, the best of the best. Nicodemus, he most likely was at the Jewish temple when, you know, Jesus is clearing out the temple. And seeing all these signs, wonders and miracles going on, it, it, it sparked up his curiosity and he wanted to know what this Jesus is all about and what was really going on, and that leads him to meet Jesus privately. So that's the story I'm going to read, and I was surprised that I speaking to a few people that some people didn't even know the story of Nicodemus, so I'm encouraged that I can read the word and, and show you and read with you the story of Nicodemus. So it's, a, it's a, quite a bit to cover. There's, I think, 20-something 20, 20 chapters, and uh, it's going to be a bit long, but I'm not going to do it all today, so thank God. I'm only going to do about the, I'm going to do the first section, so I'm going to cut it in half, do the first section of what it really means to be truly and biblically born again. And uh, I look forward to preaching that one. And then next week, God willing, I'll be doing the next section, which talks about what it truly means to believe and the power of believing in Jesus. Okay, let's do it. I'm going to read out the whole thing, verse one to 21, and then I'll break it down, and let's see what the Holy Spirit has for us. And I thank God I printed the right notes. Okay. Okay. Uh, John 3, twenty one, 21. And I'm reading out of the CSB version. No particular reason. It's not theologically better than anyone else or any other uh, book. Uh, I really, I mean, I have checked it and have checked to see if it's right. And it is um, written by a lot of scholars. And I just love the translation. I love what it, how it comes out and when it reads and how I understand it. So... There was a man from the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to him at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God. For no one could perform these signs, you do, unless God were with him. Jesus replied, Truly I tell you, unless someone is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. How can anyone be born when he is old? Nicodemus asked. Can he enter his mother's womb a second time and be born? Jesus answered, Truly I tell you, unless someone is born of water and spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Whatever is born of the flesh is flesh. Whatever is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not be amazed that I told you that you must be born again. The wind blows where it pleases, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the spirit. How can these things be? asked Nicodemus. Are you a teacher of Israel and you don't know these things? Jesus replied, Truly I tell you, we speak what we know and we testify to what you have seen, but you do not accept our testimony. If I have told you about earthly things and you don't believe, how will you believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except the one who ascended from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness... So the Son of Man must be lifted up, so that everyone who believes in Him may have eternal life. For God loved the world in this way. He gave His one and only Son, so that everyone who believes in Him will not perish, but have eternal life. One of the most famous scriptures. For God uh, God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through Him. Anyone who believes in Him is not condemned, but anyone who does not believe is already condemned because he has not believed in the name of the one and only Son of God. This is the judgment. The light has come into the world and people love darkness rather than the light because of their deeds were evil. For everyone who does evil hates the light and avoids it, so, so his deeds may not be exposed. But everyone who, loves, who lives by the truth comes to the light so that his works may be shown to be accomplished by God. That scripture alone speaks for itself. It's powerful. Uh, but There's a couple of things in there that are really good to open up. And uh, Jesus really provides one snapshot of the power of salvation and his salvation plan to the whole world. This is the good news of the gospel in a snapshot, being spiritually born again. Okay, so, you, you know, Nicodemus, he was an elite teacher of the law. And uh, that's the story goes, that he's the, that teacher of the law. He comes to Jesus because he sees something special. He sees something that he's never heard of or seen before in his life. And uh, so he comes at night, comes to talk to Jesus. The Bible doesn't say why he came at night. It doesn't say, you know, they're his friends or he didn't have yet other meetings. But there's a good chance that Nicodemus didn't want to be seen by the Jews. And sometimes we do that too in fear of what others think, of what of being judged by others. We can, you know, we we don't really show ourselves and we hide. So there's a good chance that Nicodemus, our buddy, would have been doing the same thing. Scripture says that Nicodemus was convinced that Jesus came from God. A Pharisee convinced that Jesus came from God. And although he knew the Scriptures and what Isaiah said about the coming Messiah cleansing the temple, although he saw Jesus performing miracles, there was something that didn't quite connect. Nicodemus couldn't recognize. He couldn't see that this was evidence that Jesus was God himself. He couldn't see that Jesus was the Messiah. And all he could see was that Jesus was a good teacher that happens to perform miracles. So he wanted to know about it. So he addresses Jesus as rabbi or teacher. It's another. It's translated as teacher. Nicodemus sees Jesus as a person equal to him and to every other Jew or the Jewish rulers. So Nicodemus, you know, I don't know if you've read the other parts of Scripture, uh, especially in Acts when they're going to address a high council or something, it's like, you know, put on the professional thing and uh, the speech, and, you know, you're not going to talk to someone at that color bar than you would someone, you know, in a, in a, in a supermarket. It's different, you know, like you would do at court. So he, uh, he gets up in professional speech, ready to talk to Jesus, and from one rabbi to another, and he says, John three two, rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God. No one could perform these signs unless God were with them. And uh, but Jesus, knowing his heart, Jesus knowing thoughts and knowing hearts, interrupts Nicodemus's beautiful introduction of what he was about to talk about. See, Jesus is not the same. As a rabbi, he's not at the same level as Nicodemus would like to think. Jesus is not is from God, as Nicodemus can't understand. Jesus is God, and sometimes in our own lives we can pull certain truths down. We can pull the truth down so just to fit into our little box of beliefs, just like Nicodemus would have done. And sometimes we do that. But it's important that we have spiritual eyes and we have faith to be honest and see things clearly, because that truth will set you free. Uh, So we get to John 3, 3. So Jesus replied, Truly I tell you, unless someone is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. See, that had nothing to do with Nicodemus' introduction. Jesus completely bypassed it. See, Jesus went straight to the heart. He went straight to what was really troubling Nicodemus. And he, he just, you know, it would have been a 3 pager you know, conversation. This Jesus just, okay, let's let's get to the bottom line here. He knows mankind's thoughts. Uh, we we read that in, in at the end of chapter two that Jesus knows the thoughts and, intent and, and intentions of every person. He knows that the desires, he knows the longings of every person. He knows the weaknesses and the strengths of every person. And here we see a picture of a Jew who reached the apex, the very top of the top of his religion, the highest level of any teacher and understanding of all the Old Testament scriptures. I mean, they reckon they would have memorized a lot of the Old Testament scriptures to get to that level. And according to religion and Judaism, that's it. You've fulfilled everything. You've fulfilled every law. You've fulfilled every requirement. You've memorized scripture. Clearly, you've arrived as a mighty man of God, clearly you've arrived. You have arrived and you're there. But still, he had no peace. Still, he had no joy. Because if he had that, he wouldn't be going to Jesus. He wouldn't go, be going to find out more because he was already full. He thought he had it all and knew it all. But he, clearly, there was something going on. There was a void there he could not fill. With all the scriptures and all the knowledge and everything that he knew, the top of the top, best, very best of the pope and all that, that he hit the top, but still no sense of fulfillment, still no sense of assurance or forgiveness, not knowing where he's going to end. And his heart was crying out, what do I do? What do I do? Or what do I stop doing? And Nicodemus he tries to reason it out in his own mind he tries with all the knowledge and all the scriptures and all the memory that he had he tries to reason it out what does born again mean what is Jesus talking about born again what does it mean and sadly modern day Christians still also they they, they still have take, haven't taken hold of what born again really means too many Christians are boxed into salvation just thinking of salvation and being born again to a simple prayer we box it in and we're like well if i just say the prayer on a sunday morning if i repent before god on that day and i, and I pray that prayer then I'm, I'm saved it's just another addition to the many religious things that are that are out there but that's not what being born again means that prayer that genuine prayer is a start to the journey That genuine prayer is the start and the beginning of a journey where a person hears the word, truly repents, turning away from their old life and turning to their new life in Christ. But many Christians just stop there. They don't go beyond that point. Or many Christians have tried to go beyond that point or it just gets too hard or it just gets too painful. I'll just go back. I'll just pray every Sunday morning. Make sure I'm going to go to heaven. How about that? Fire insurance, I used to hear. <laughs> Many, you know, they they hear the message, they hear the word, they give their life to Jesus. The Christians I'm talking about, they openly confess Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Here I am. The Lord is my God. He's my Lord. He's my Savior. They go out. They get baptized in water. They 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 do all the External things, all the things that look like Christianity. But many Christians just stop there. And that's it. It stops there. No ongoing pursuit for God. No regular connection with God. No real transformation. And that's not what being born again is all about. That's not a spiritually transformed life. It's just a show or a feeling of something's changing or a nice religious feeling, but not really transforming inside. Paul the Apostle in Second Timothy addresses this, and actually it's addressed many times over in multiple um, books, um, and he gives a warning to Christians, not to the world and the unbelieving people that don't understand or know God or don't want to know God, he gives a warning to Christians in church. He says this, 2 Timothy 3, 1-5. to I think I wrote the, the right reference. But know this, hard times will come in the last days. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, proud, demeaning, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, without love for what is good. Traitors, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, holding to the form of godliness, but denying its power. Avoid these people. I know that's a good whistle. I agree. Christians showing the form of godliness, but not really changing on the inside. Not being truly born again and spiritually transformed, he's talking about. He's talking about those that just confess Show that form that everything's fine. And I do this, I do that, and I'm. But it's just a form of godliness, and it denies the very transformational power of God. For me, for many years, coming to church every week. When I started coming to church, I could relate to many of Paul's descriptions personally. I, I kept coming to church. I kept volunteering, doing all the things that I should be doing at church. I kept worshipping, doing all, all the right things, prayed the prayer at the end on Sunday morning to make sure I was going to get to heaven. And my heart was connected to the church. My heart was connected. My heart was connected to the people, to the fellowship, the beautiful people. But for me, it was a cover-up. For me, I was hiding In the the inside, I wasn't truly surrendering my life to God. I wasn't truly surrendering my life to the Spirit of God, to the Holy Spirit of God. I wasn't truly repenting. And it just seemed like, fair enough, I physically changed my location on a Sunday morning, but it was the same as going to a cafe and reading a newspaper on a Sunday morning. It wasn't really changing. And Jesus is saying, if anyone, I mean, obviously, it's been a long journey. Thank God. Praise the Lord. Not like that anymore. Thank God. And Jesus is saying, anyone that wants to enter the kingdom of God, it's not just a quick prayer of repentance. It's not just coming to church on a Sunday, being involved in ministry, and even fulfilling all the religious requirements and obligations that we might even think are needed. A person needs to be spiritually transformed from their inner being, by the Spirit of God, being alive to the Word, to the life, to the light of Jesus Christ, having a new nature, a new life, a new creation, transformed in the image of Christ, in thought, in heart, and in action. Being truly born again, it's dynamic, it's life-changing, It's a completely different way of living, which a lot of you can testify. So I'm not, you know, preaching to the choir, but it's important that we know what born again means. And that's why it's great. You go verse by verse, you've got to hit every point. So it's great. I really like it. It's a complete surrender and a dependency on the Holy Spirit. Being truly born again is a complete transformation from our old way of living to our new way of living. Not just on a Sunday morning. A complete change of mind, a complete change of heart. Being born again will put passion in your heart that nobody can take away, regardless of how embarrassing or shaming it might look. And I was yesterday we, were, we had the men's breakfast. So if you didn't come, we invite you every Saturday morning, uh, first Saturday of every. Uh, sorry, first Saturday of every month. One day we'll get to every Saturday morning, but for now we're okay. Um, but, yeah, it was our first one for the year, and uh, I loved it. It was great. We had, about, I think, about 20 guys that came through, and it was beautiful. We Yante got out the worship. I mean, we didn't do it under the awning. We went out under the tree. It was quite warm. Yante broke out and worshipped the guitar, we started singing. And I just took a moment. I mentioned to, to the guys some of it. I took a moment, and I thought, I would not be caught dead ever singing in public. Honestly, I would never... Do anything like this. But because of the transformation of God in my heart, mate, I do not care. Because I love Him. That transformation pushes us, compels us, that passion in our heart, that passion, that desire to go, This is my life. This is who I am. I don't need to pretend. I don't need to hide in the darkness. This is it. That's passion, that internal transformation of heart. It compels us to not only one be in the kingdom of God, but to build and grow his kingdom. It has nothing to do with those those works, nothing to do with looking right or, or seeming right. It's all about that transformation inside of us. So coming back to it. And Jesus says to Nicodemus, unless you are born again, that is spiritually reborn, he cannot ent- see or enter or participate in the kingdom of God, he's saying to Nicodemus. And Nicodemus, he's not understanding what's going on. He's not understanding what Jesus means. He doesn't get it. I mean, remember, it's pre-Jesus going on the cross, okay? He's looking at, I mean, but obviously, still a lot of people after Jesus went to the cross still don't understand. He's looking at born again, at being born again through natural eyes, through a natural works-based understanding. You know, Nicodemus spent his entire life doing things to get right into the kingdom of God. He spent his entire life doing all the works, all the religion, following all the commandments. All, and now Jesus is saying to him, you don't need any of that. You don't need any of that to enter the kingdom of God. You need to be spiritually reborn. And that transformation needs to take place in your heart to enter the kingdom of God. Some of you are already ticking, but that's good. I'm going to address that in a sec. If you don't know what I'm talking about, that's okay. We'll get to it. So uh, John 3, 4. Nicodemus couldn't understand. He says, how can anyone be born when he is old? Makes sense, right? Nicodemus asked him, can he enter into his mother's womb a second time and be born? It's an ugly sight. I mean, that's not, it doesn't happen. And obviously, Nicodemus knew that it was humanly impossible to to do any of that, even scientifically impossible to to do that at that size of the person. He knew that it couldn't happen. He knew that humanly it was not impossible. But Jesus, he wasn't referring to the natural birth, as we know. Jesus, seeing Nicodemus struggling with this concept and struggling with this thought about or the term of being born again, he puts it another way. And, and this time he refers to Old Testament scripture. And possibly this time, for the love of God, Nicodemus. Please get it. Come on. <laughs> so John 3, 5. Jesus answered, truly I tell you, unless someone is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. I'll let you dwell on that for a second. I'm going to have a bit of water. Really parched. sorry about that So truly I tell you unless someone is born of water and the spirit he cannot enter the kingdom of God See many modern day Christian teachers they they misuse this scripture and they say well you need to be baptized by water to be born again Hold on I get there Water baptism is necessary to a Christian it represents a spiritual cleansing And a new life in Christ. But being baptized is an outward expression of an inward transformation. We get baptized because we are born again. We don't get baptized to be born again. You get that? You get baptized by water because you are transformed and born again. You don't do the action, just like the Pharisees are doing. You don't do the action to get into the kingdom of heaven. All right? But baptism is a very, very powerful thing to do. And uh, we are planning to do one in a few months, which I haven't mentioned to the team, but we have talked about it, but we haven't put it in our calendar. We'll get there. But water baptism is not what Jesus is saying here. Even though it's a critical element and expression in our salvation journey, that's not what gets you to the kingdom of God. There are many Christians in the world, if you think about it, that are water baptized, but no real transformation. We justify it like, oh, I've been saved. I've prayed on Sunday. I've been baptized and, you know. Okay, good for you. Well, you, you know, you've got to stand before God. I'm just going to preach the word, and hopefully to convict you. No one here, by the way. If you're watching online, hello. Uh, maybe a recording down the track. Who knows? So... <laughs> It should, it should have been clear to Nicodemus when Jesus said that. It should have been clear to him. It should have been clear where Jesus was referring to. See, Nicodemus, being the teacher that he was, the top of the top, he would have memorized most of the scriptures. And there are some really, really critical ones that they, they need to know. And Nicodemus, he would have been really familiar with all the prophets and their writings and everything that they wrote about. And Jesus, in this part, he was talking about Ezekiel 36. And this scripture is one of the most powerful scriptures in the Old Testament that describes how the salvation plan of God works. Ezekiel 36, 25 to 29. And uh, this is Ezekiel writing on behalf of God. I will also sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and all your idols. I will give you a new heart. And put a new spirit within you. That's beautiful, eh? I'll remove your heart of stone, thank the Lord, and give you a heart of flesh. I will place my spirit within you and cause you to follow my statutes and carefully observe my ordinances. You will live in the land that I gave your ancestors and you'll be my people and I'll be your God. I will save you from all your uncleanliness. So Nicodemus would have been very, very familiar with this scripture. But yet he couldn't understand what Jesus was saying. And Jesus was saying to enter the kingdom of God, you need to be born of water and of spirit. So being born of water, meaning our hearts are washed clean. You remember a few weeks ago I was talking about cleansing the temple? That's cleaning. That's, that's God clean, cleansing our hearts. That's, a, that's, a, that's the water part, being born again of water. And God removing all of our sins and cleansing us with his forgiveness and being born of spirit, meaning we are given a new heart so we can obey God's instructions and and convictions in our day-to-day lives. And you notice how it is God that cleanses us and it's his spirit that does the work. In Ezekiel it says God will cleanse, God will renew, God will replace. It has nothing to do with us. Salvation has nothing to do with us. It is completely by the grace of God. It has nothing to do with our good works. No participa- participation of man is needed for God's salvation plan. It's a complete work of God's sovereign grace. So the Jews, however, ignored this truth and believed the lie that you need to earn your salvation. You need to earn your way through to do with all these religion and rituals and good works. Nicodemus, he would have had countless theological discussions with all his best buddies and the Jewish rulers and leaders. All he had ever known was to achieve. You need to achieve to the kingdom of God. You need to earn your way into it by ritual, following the commandments. Be a good moral person. I'm a good person. Does that mean I'm going to heaven? A lie that many Christians fall into today. Many Christians today still think, well, we need works to be saved. We need to do work to be saved in the kingdom of God. We think, well, we need to serve in the church. I'm getting there, relax. We need to, I know some people are ticking. We need to pray harder. (laughs) Worship longer. (laughs) Do more deeds to enter his kingdom. Many people still think that. That's how you're going to enter the kingdom of God. And I'm not saying you shouldn't do these things, yeah? Because a lot of these desires to serve come from a transformed heart or transformed heart and mind. A lot of these desires to, to serve come from a passion and a desire to follow Christ. A lot of these things come from the love of God flowing through us. But the motive to do these things, which a lot of people get caught, does not contribute to our salvation. We don't need these things from our own will and our own strength to enter the kingdom of God. We, our, our, our faith is not a self-help religion. It's not self-help religion. Self-help says, well, you do what you need to do to, to get what you need and get what you want. Self-help in Judaism is, well, you, you've got to do all the rituals, you got to follow all the commands, you've got to sacrifice at the right time, you got to do all the, all the worship and you've got to do all the festivals, you've got to do all of that to enter the kingdom of God. Far out. Crazy. Thank God it's not like that. <laughs> and it gets like that, eh? Christians are supposed to trust in God but yet sometimes are even more anxious than people that aren't following God. It's a God-focused faith. It's a God-focused trust and the work and trusting and believing in the work of Christ and what he did on the cross. For a person who's truly born again, we don't need to fake it till we make it. I used to hear that before, eh? You gotta fake it till you make it. No, 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 sorry, sorry. No, no. It's a transformed heart that creates that desire to follow Christ. It's a transformed heart by the Spirit of God that compels you to want to open your heart and be generous and be loving. It's not about doing something because it's the right thing to do or it will add to our salvation. I was going to add a couple more things. I haven't got time. Hopefully do it next time. It's not about doing, doing something because you want to please somebody or look religious. It's about your heart. It's about your faith, your trust in God, your passion that you have for Christ and that new life you have in him. It's at the time. Praise the Lord. And for the first time, Nicodemus realizes what Ezekiel is saying. He realized that all accumulation of religion, all the accumulation over the years, all the accumulation of, of good human will, all the accumulation of living a clean and moral life is completely meaningless. It means absolutely zero to add to your salvation. It means absolutely zero to be born again and transformed, to be part of God's kingdom We need to recognize our sin. We need to repent before God and allow God's forgiveness to cleanse us. And God will do that spiritual transforming work in us from the inside out. Praise the Lord. Nearly there. Jesus continues. I'm going to go to about uh, verse 11, so I'm nearly there. Whatever is born of the flesh is flesh whatever is born of the Spirit is Spirit. See, Nicodemus and the whole Jewish religious system, that overlooked one thing with that self-help works-based religion. All that flesh can produce is flesh. You can't get flesh to the Spirit. You can't tran- transform it. You can't. By any human doing. No science can... can can zap a, a, a physical human body to the spiritual world. doesn't happen. Flesh will always produce flesh, meaning our human nature, uh, that's the physical part, but our human nature, our corrupt nature, our sinful natural tendencies, our greedy, lustful, selfish desires, that complete inability and un, un, unwillingness sometimes to, not even want to look at God or talk about God. You know, that is the flesh. That would just produce more of that when we're in the flesh. And if we're living in ourselves as a believer, we're going to produce more of self, even as a believer, more of that corruption, more ungratefulness, more unholiness like Second Timothy is talking about. Mankind needs a complete... Transformation or well, complete spiritual transformation and rebirth. A heart replaced with a new heart. His spirit replacing our spirit. A complete transformation if we're going to enter the kingdom of God. I remember me personally when I, uh, early on in my Christian walk, I thought, man, I thought I was the evilest guy ever. Like I, I was doing so much stuff in the world. I don't even want to go through it. But it was disgusting. There, there's a lot of, uh, you know, crookedness and all that stuff. But, and I remember coming to church and I gave my life to God and I was really stubborn. I didn't want to put my hands up in worship. Hold on to the chair. I'm going to let anyone see me worship God. But I still gave my heart to God. But still, I, I didn't want to. I, I didn't. I was unwilling to to want to give myself to Him. But... I had to surrender. That moment I surrendered is when I started changing. But it took me a couple of years to realize that I can, I can actually do Christianity two ways here. I can do it in my own strength, show how good I am, because, mate, in my own strength, I'm pretty. I, I think I'm pretty good. My personality, I'm driven, push hard. I can show everything. I could show you, you want it. Yeah, look, look how mighty I am. Look how great. You know, you can do that. And as Christians, we can live that way or just surrender to God. And that was the most freeing thing I've ever done in my life. Able to be myself. And a lot of times as Christians, even though we're believers, we still project a certain way because we want to look a certain way, but it's not integral. And salvation is something that we can't do on our own. It's because our flesh will always produce more flesh. Because when I was living that way or coming to church that way, I was only producing more anxiety. I was only producing more performance, you know. In our flesh, we can't seek God. In our own strength, we can't seek God. You know, we will never be truly satisfied. Our religious good works will never really satisfy us. It will never be enough. Whatever we do, however many years we've been in church, our religious routines are never enough. We dry up, we burn out. That's why many fall away refusing to rely and depend on the Spirit of God. But the work of the Holy Spirit inside of us produces life. Those who believe and trust and obey in Christ will produce the fruit of the Spirit, which according to the book of Galatians is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, Faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. This transformation in us is only the work the Holy Spirit can do. And it begins with the repentance of living in the flesh. So going back to John 3, Nicodem- John, uh, Jesus says to Nicodemus in verse 7 and 8, Don't be amazed that I told you that you must be born again. He's saying to Nicodemus, he's going, well, how can this be? What's going on? Don't be amazed that I'm telling you that you must be born again. The wind blows where it pleases and you hear its sound but you don't know where it's coming from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born in the Spirit. It sounds really floral, hey. When I was reading at home, oh, that's uh, that's interesting. But Jesus is saying being born again is like the wind. You ever heard that? Being born again is like the wind. I've never heard that. When I was reading I thought being born again is like the wind. The work of the Holy Spirit the salvation, the spiritual transformation that occurs, you can't physically see it. You can't see it. We don't know how God does it. We don't don't know how the Holy Spirit works in us, but we can feel it. We know it's there, like the wind passing. We can see its transforming effect. We could see a life being changed. You might have been very mean, or an arrogant person, but now you're a loving and kind person. You might have been a thief, a crook, but now you're honest and integral. You might have been greedy and a selfish person, but now you're a giving and selfless person. It's evidence of the Holy Spirit working inside of you. The fruits of the Spirit. See, you can't pretend to be transformed. You can't pretend to be something that you're not. You can't say that you love God if you clearly don't love people. And John's going to be talking about that in First John. You can't say that you're serving the Lord because of his transformational power when you're clearly not displaying love, joy, peace, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control around other people. You can't say that. You'll only be lying to yourself. You can't see the work of the Spirit, but you can definitely see the fruits of the Spirit. So Nicodemus asks, but how can these things be? Wind, how can it be? I don't understand. But, it's, but what he's saying is it seems like he's really trying to understand. And Jesus knows Nicodemus. He knows Jesus, uh, Nicodemus is well respected. He knows that Nicodemus knows the law, and he should know these things. And I'm, I'm finishing off with this, and I'll continue next week. And Jesus responds um, in, in the last part, John three ten to 11. He's saying to Nicodemus, are you a teacher of Israel and you don't know these things? Jesus replied, truly I tell you, we speak what we do, what we know and we testify what we have seen, but you do not accept our testimony. So this is what Jesus is basically saying. He's saying, I'm giving you the truth. I'm showing you the truth. But it's up to you to believe. You need to believe that's a spiritual thing and it's up to you to believe you know I used to hear oh, I won't believe if I don't see it well the wind blows I can't see the wind man unless you get smoke running through a fan maybe I can try to do that but the wind blows you can't see it you got to believe you got to believe to see it and we see Nicodemus in the end he did believe not, not doesn't show here But in chapters 7 and 19, he evolves into becoming a secret disciple. If you know the story, he he, he, um, defends Jesus among the Sanhedrin, around the 70 uh, Jewish elders. And at the end, when Jesus died, he takes Jesus' body away to embalm him. And tradition says that he was baptized by John and Peter. He was removed from his office, Nicodemus. He was removed. He lost everything he had. I mean, there's, there's stories in tradition that um, about a century later, they're talking about that story. And they say that even his daughter was like picking up um, food, scum out of bits and pieces of the floor. And a rabbi said, oh, who are you? Well, I'm the daughter of Nicodemus. And he's just like, oh. he just walked off. <laughs> so he, he really had it quite bad. They, they really rejected him. He lost everything. But man, he gained so much more, didn't he? He gained the kingdom of God. And coming to our lives right now, like Nicodemus, maybe we're caught up in our own religious routine. Maybe we're caught up in our own good works, finding our own way to heaven. We don't say it, but that's a belief system. It's there. And I'm going to talk about that a little bit next week. Maybe we've forgotten that salvation and being truly spiritually born again is completely by the grace and the work of God. Like Nicodemus, maybe we struggle to understand that spiritual work of the Holy Spirit because we've relied so much on human knowledge and the handles and the self-help ways to get through. Maybe we've relied on that. And sometimes maybe we struggle because we get caught up in that selfishness, sinful lives, even though we say we believe. (laughs) And if that's you this morning, allow the Holy Spirit right now, where you are, allow the Holy Spirit. To open your eyes by truly in your heart believing in the complete work of God's salvation. Truly believing in the transformational power of being spiritually born again. Would you bow your heads right now as we reflect and pray? If I can ask the band to come up. So, right now, admit and recognize the sin whether it's been living in the flesh or just going with the motions of these religious good works, right now in your heart, just repent before God. Let Him forgive you. Genuinely pray to, to God in your heart right now and allow the Holy Spirit to enter your life and He'll begin to transform you from death to life. See, we don't need to make a mistake and think, well, I'm going to try a little bit harder next time. That's called self-help. He will change us as we submit. He will change us as we study His Word. He will change us as we personally connect with Him. He will change us. The Spirit of God makes that transformational work in our lives. And we'll begin to notice the change thank you Father we pray for you Holy God right now we thank you for your words here today we thank you Lord for your divine truth and your plan for salvation we thank you God that by your grace and your complete work alone we are born again in water and spirit we are born again as we as you cleanse us with your forgiveness and you place your Holy Spirit in us, making us a new creation with a new life in Christ. I pray right now, Lord God, for every person who is caught up in any self-help or religious works, maybe even through religious routine or doing good works or just trying to be a good person in an attempt to gain salvation I pray for them right now Lord that the eyes of their hearts will open that you will flood their, their heart with the truth of you and your light and your spirit thank you Jesus for the power of your Word here this morning thank you for the power of your Holy Spirit here this morning that it is transformational to those that receive we thank you God for your transformational work that you're doing in us, your church. We thank you that this year we will continue to trust, depend, rely in you. And we thank you, God. And let our, let our works and what we do be done out of the motivation of the transformational power of the Holy Spirit, not the other way around. We thank you, Lord, that you continue to grow us, Mature us and develop us in Christ. We surrender to you, Lord. We surrender to your truth. We trust you. We trust your Holy Spirit within us. Thank you, Father.